All right, we are live on YouTube. It is the 200th episode of the Mina's House podcast. Yes. Woo -woo. <laughs> we made it to 200. A lot of podcasts it. don't make it to 200. We here, baby. We made it. <laughs> I mean, to say what? I'm Shayna B. I want some crack. <laughs> we got a crackhead joining us. I want some crack. <laughs> crackhead, what is your name, crackhead? Well, it's not Garnett. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's Garnett. <laughs> and we don't know where Dexter's at. You know he's a teacher now. So don't he's calling that man a teacher. <laughs> he's gonna be joining us shortly. He's logging on now. So it's the 200th episode, and it just happens to be Halloween week. So we are dressed up. Woo -woo. Woo -woo. So I'm Lola Bunny. Um, I got my costume from Fashion Nova and I regret it. I should I should have known better than to get my costume from Fashion Nova. Half of it don't fit me. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so I had to cut it up and make it work. But I am Lola Bunny from Space Jam 2 and I got my basketball. We play in basketball. How about you, Shayna? I am Patrick, queen of the pop. That's right, baby. You got to get your wind it up on Dama na 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 na. Dama, you got to sing your song. We have Ivy Park, but we have Ivy Park there on <laughs> Garnett, what are you for Halloween? Tyrone Biggums from uh from the Chappelle Show. The crackhead. <laughs> yeah, he he was selling houses and everything. Really? <laughs> so he he was supposed to be house sitting, right? So he was house sitting with his married couple and he actually like sold a house while he was house sitting. He sold it for like $500,000. And then he had a $500,000 $500, free crack party. So like, he's like mad innovator. Like he's the guy. So how do you have a parallel with your job now? So he was selling the houses. I get it. I get it. You understand. Are you selling it. crack too or just houses? No, stop saying that. Don't say that out loud no more. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. How did you get the white stuff around your mouth? Right. This is baby powder, baby. <laughs> you put baby <laughs> Yeah, I'm not eating it. <laughs> Be very careful with this. <laughs> And Dexter is joining us, the teacher. Hi, Dexter. Yeah, that's that's what he is, a teacher today. <laughs> you know, I had this idea for a, an amazing costume today, and I'm like, I'm going to do it as soon as I get out of work. And I had like 20 minutes, right? And I ran to Target to get this stuff. There's nothing on the shelves anywhere. Like, there's nothing on the shelves. And it was just like like the, the, the makeup or whatever, but that's it. And I'm like, but the costume I was going to do is a red flag and I was going to make a face cut out and I was going to put red flags on a shirt. And because I don't get to work from home anymore, I didn't get to do my damn costume. I told you <laughs> to just be a wrestler and come shirtless. I can take this off. <laughs> With the little tidy whitey shorts that they be wearing. Speaking of wrestler, though, there was a big impact event this past weekend and Moose is now a world champion. What? My Moose? Mm -hmm. Yay! Congratulations <laughs> to Moose. Uh, he's been a guest on the pod. I went to college with Moose. 
So wasn't he a world champion already, though? He was before, yes. But he just won it back. He just that's that I saw that picture. I didn't even read the caption. That's terrible. <laughs> so, it's our 200th episode. I can't even believe we made it to 200, especially on Halloween. We're all dressed up. Dexter's a teacher. <laughs> Garnett's a crackhead that sells house, uh, sells houses. Shayna's Patra, you know, she'd be winding it up. And I'm Lola Bunny from Space Jam. You know, I feel like you win. Yours is the best one. I yeah, actually got the basketball, everything. I actually this- bought my po- costume, but unfortunately it doesn't fit me because um because Fashion Nova sucks and their return <laughs> policy is terrible. So I've been cutting it up and trying to sew it together. I'm over here like a seamstress trying to make it work. So half of my costume is sewed up and the other half is not. <laughs> but the fact that the skin tone matches the character, I'm into it. <laughs> oh, because, you know, I went to Puerto Rico and I got a little tan. So, <laughs> you know, I got the bang, too, to match it. Do you see? You guys are trying to flourish in Puerto Rico. We saw you. I'm sorry. Are you eating powdered donuts, too, to, like, make it more powdery? Nah, this is like crack chips. Like <laughs> Crips. I want the powder off the face, though. It makes me a little nervous. <laughs> like... I'm going to be adding more throughout this. This is what, yeah, this is now. Committed. I'm, I love I'm, it. I'm eating chips throughout this whole thing. So for people listening, you can look at us and watch us on YouTube. Just search yes. Mavis House Podcast because we have a lot of people who listen on the different listening streaming platforms. So we have a couple of guests joining us, hopefully, <laughs> for the pod. Uh, so hopefully they all drop in at some point. But it is um, our 200th episode. It's incredible. I just yeah. wanted to thank you guys for being a part of the pod and um, I appreciate your effort every week, you know, and just thank you for always showing up and being ready. Um, do you guys have like a moment for the podcast where you like it was like your favorite moment? I know I'm like springing it on you, but um, I don't have necessarily a favorite moment. I do have like memorable moments of like me fucking Ubering up to uh, Power 99 and like sitting there for hours and us like going through things and, um, you know, booking guests. The very first, so I do, I remember one. The very first guest uh, that I helped you book, right? That she was like, hey, listen, be a part of my podcast was Kaylani. And I remember her coming through mm-hmm. with uh, her and, you know, her management. I forget the guy's name, but he's actually from Jersey. Shout out to him. Um, and yeah, it her- was Kaylani. I forgot. This is before Kaylani became Kaylani. Right. This is. You know- this was. This was actually like at the um, Kyrie Irving stuff, and mm-hmm. we kind of like impede on that. And we did it. You know, we kept it professional. Mina's always super professional, but uh, you know, she was just so sweet, very gorgeous, by the way, and taller than I thought she was going to be. Um, but yeah, she is gorgeous person. But yeah, I, I remember like that moment, those moments, uh, going up there once or twice a week to uh, make that happen. So yeah, those are like my favorite moments. Garnett, don't shout out radio stations that I don't work at anymore. <laughs> oh, <so. laughs> well, listen, cut me off before I can finish it. Then tell me, shut up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm offended. Um, but like, no, it's always those interviews for me. Because I remember like when we first 
started it. Like, I, I don't think I was that good at it. I really don't. And I feel like I always would go to me and like ask questions and she would give pointers about what I could do differently, how to ask questions and stuff like that. And I still feel like now I don't necessarily go to be like, what can I do? But I'll like take notes about things that she does. And it's really helpful to helpful for me. And like the more and more we do them, the more I'm like, this makes sense for this. This makes sense for that. And like, I've learned like the art of it. Like you, you've really taught like me a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to say the interviews and I can't think of one in particular. I mean, obviously when we did the hundredth episode live, that was really dope. Like yeah. just having people there. Cause normally we don't have people watching us as we're doing the podcast. That was really dope. But honestly, it's just being with you guys. Like, but I have friends and everything that's like, oh no, because Dex said this, or see, I was with Mina, or and then they just like they feed off of us. Mm-hmm. It's just a good feeling. Like I love you guys. I love that we can talk about everything. Everybody has a different opinion. I sometimes already know what I think Dex is going to say, what I think Arnett's going to say, mm-hmm. what I think Mina's going to say. <laughs> but it's still just it's just fun just to work with you guys and to grow with you guys. And I do thank Mina for the opportunity. Uh, for those of that don't know, me and Mina started talking at a Sixers game about me wanting to talk about relationships to start a podcast. And she was like, girl, you didn't experience you. I come on my podcast first. And that's how it really happened, like, at a Sixers game. Yeah. And this, <clears throat> this part, too, though, like, like the fact that the podcast kind of grew and, the, and was, like, kind of almost created, recreated during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, this format wasn't what we were doing before. And we, I don't know if the four of us have ever, uh, outside of the 100th episode, I don't think the four of us have all ever been in the same room together. Dinner. Was there a dinner? Oh, dinner. We went to yeah, dinner but, like, together. doing the podcast. Every time oh, we yeah, try, doing the podcast, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's interesting. Well, I appreciate you guys. I'm just happy we made it to 200. I mean, a lot of people have podcasts, but they drop off or they don't make it that far. I mean, the pod has definitely evolved over years and months that I've been doing it. So I just really appreciate you guys. And, you know, I wish we could be together, um, you know, to do a live event. But the way the world is, I just... I don't know, man. I went to Puerto Rico and they literally require vaccination cards to get in everywhere, everywhere. Like you need your mask on vaccination cards. Like the way that right. Garnett would not be going to Puerto Rico. (laughs) Puerto Rico is not for me. (laughs) So it's like, I don't know. I just feel uncomfortable packing everyone into a room. You know what I'm saying? And then especially like our, our 100th episode, we were live and um, it was so packed and hot in there. I feel like I would be mortified if we did the same thing. I was in the summer, though. That halfway don't count. That was summertime. I that know, but imagine it happening now during COVID. Yeah, but it's it's cooling down. It's like 59 degrees a day. We will be okay today. It's but like Corona isn't cooling here. down. <laughs> yeah, they don't make you hot. It just make you cough. They don't make you hot, though. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. So I wanted to keep today light. Uh, We just want to talk about really uh, some scary stuff. Halloween stuff. I love Halloween. I remember last year we were like, we're going to dress up next Halloween for the pod. And I'm glad that you guys could like make it happen. You know, even though it was very, very last minute. I forgot we even had that conversation until this weekend. And I was like, what? Halloween is on Sunday. First of all, Halloween snuck up on me. Yes, Dexter for the background. Yes. I need to do do something. (laughs) Dexter, you're a teacher. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know, but like to. the thing is, Halloween is my thing. I really get into this. So the fact that like I'm not dressed up, at, like next year I'm coming. I'm I'm I want to win. Like I, like I want to win next year. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking about scary stuff. Like, has anything scary ever happened to you guys, or has anyone done anything scary to you? Like, talk about some some times where you've actually been scared, and it could be like a serious story. Because I was thinking about some things, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to share that yeah. with the whole world. <laughs> some scary things that have happened to me, but like any scary actual stories or ghost encounters or anything like that, or maybe someone did something to scare you. I'm positive that in college there was a ghost in my dorm room. Like, I'm not even joking about it. Like. It would only come during certain nights, too. And it's not always because we were drunk. <laughs> but like a lot of the times we would be drunk or whatever. And people and people would say like, oh, I hear something in that closet. You open the closet. There's nothing there. And it literally would happen every single like week or whatever. And like for the longest time, nobody would hear it. So it was only me. But like it, I'm telling you, there is a ghost on the campus of Lincoln University. Wait, so how do you know it was a ghost? Because when I opened the closet, nothing was there. So, like, something was in there. <laughs> Wait, exactly. so was this, like, an urban legend? Or, like, no, you it was a next, it on your own? It's me. I saw, <laughs> I'm telling you, it was a ghost in there. It really was a ghost on the, in the, and, like, and then you would even feel, like, chills sometimes. Like, it was just, I don't know. It was just a weird, odd situation. And, I, and truthfully, ghosts have followed me in my entire life. Like, when I used to live in the South, there used to be this thing. This is kind of eerie too. But there used to be this thing where, like, my grandma was in the picture, and she, the, her picture fell and knocked another picture down. And the other person, this is after my grandma died, and the other person in that picture passed away, like a two month, like a year later, after my after my grandma's picture fell. And like, I'm telling you, like, I believe that kind of stuff. I I just I do. I really believe in that stuff. That's crazy. So you never went to see someone about that? I feel like I would go to like no, because, a, like like no, a because my mom is my mom is Christian, like super Christian. So she feels like that's the devil's work. So you can't you can't see nobody about it. Plus, I don't trust them either, because last year, the psychic near my house, my, my apartment at the time, she had a Donald Trump um thing in her uh, in her <laughs> in her lung and he lost. So y'all can't see that well. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you're oh, stupid. Fuck. Yeah, I, I haven't been scared since like child's play, since like 94 and watching yeah. Chucky. I ain't afraid of too much. Nothing? You never been followed by someone? A girl pulled up on you with a knife? Like you haven't been no. scared? Why would a woman pull up on me with you a knife? You thought you had an STD? <laughs> Nothing? Like. I mean, when I did have one, I wasn't scared. It just was what you, you did have one what? What? <laughs> clean it up clean it up because she says something and then you responded to it and i don't think you responded to what she was saying no i, no, I heard her i just said what i said and i'm gonna skip past it okay. I, was I, I wasn't terrified i'm clean um yeah move past it go ahead mina what was you saying so you've never <laughs> been scared ever i mean like what are we so like the movies now right they don't like this really not scary. We've been we've been through the worst stuff movie wise, like the stuff that's on TV. This stuff isn't scary right now. Like Key and Peele is right in our scary movies. Like I remember when it was Steven Spielberg, like Steven Spielberg, he had it popping like with goosebumps and all of that stuff. Like, but right now, it's R.L. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Listen, 
whatever. I get you. I get what you're saying, though. Do you think we're not scared because we're older? No. Or is it really that the stuff isn't scary anymore? Yeah, I just feel like we ran through the gauntlet. Like, okay, you talking about y'all. I'll be scared all the time. <laughs> I just asked Mina if that thing on Netflix was scary, and I still ain't watching it, even though she told me it wasn't. I'll be scared all the time. I could watch a suspenseful movie and be in this house like, wait a minute, is that somebody coming right now? And is he going to kidnap me and make a new basement and put me in a basement? And nobody's going to know, and they're going to think it's the water heater? I be yeah. scared like every day. Same page, except like I don't be like scared, scared, but like I do when I get to watch like like how Garnett is when you watch the scary movies, it doesn't do anything to me. But when I watch the thrillers, I do be like, oh my God, like this dead person could be on my balcony. Like this could really be a problem for me or whatever. So anytime I watch something like that, I'll watch Doug or Hey Arnold afterwards to calm my nerves. <laughs> so a Halloween story. Um, but my, my sister never really like celebrated Halloween like with our kids just because she just felt like whatever. Like not necessarily, she's not super Christian, but had these beliefs, but we did it when we were younger. So I took my niece one time and her friend um, in Roxborough, the Roxborough area of Philadelphia, and they really, really do Halloween. Like every neighbor does their house. They give you the full size Reese's and Kit Kats and Snickers. You don't even be getting the snack size joints. So we left this one house and they knew she was scared. They Everybody was dressed up, like the whole family was into it. So they were messing with her a little bit. We leave the porch. I am not going to lie to y'all. This is how much they planned it. Mm-mm. We were all the way at the end of this block. This house is on the other end of the block. All of a sudden I can hear And I turn around and one of the like kids who was dressed up as a zombie character is running up to my niece with a fake knife. She ain't never want to go trick-or-treating again. That was it. (laughs) Still to this day, she's like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Ruined her whole experience. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I love scary stuff. I like everything scary I watch. I'm watching Rosemary's Baby right now on Tubi. Have you guys seen that? Mm, Sounds scary. Not watching it. (laughs) (laughs) I have heard of it, but I've never checked it out. With Zoe Saldana. Mm -mm. Is it scary, Nina? I mean, I just be watching a lot of devil stuff. I be watching like a lot of scary, you know, stuff. I was watching A Quiet Place. Have you guys seen that on the plane? I've seen that. And I was like, ah, ah. And people were like, <laughs> what is wrong with this girl? Why does she keep yelling? But I've never had like a ghost encounter. Like I've never, I have felt like someone's presence was there. Mm-hmm. But it it didn't feel like scary. Like, oh, this is a ghost. It felt more so like comforting like Mm. this person is with me and it was when my aunt was passing away I was I was holding her hand and I just kind of felt like something was there I don't know what it was but I it just was like comforting it wasn't like a scary thing but I've never seen a ghost I've never like encountered one or you know sometimes I get scared when I'm walking a dog and I feel like someone's following me but in real life I have been scared um Cause I had a stalker once and this guy used to follow me everywhere. And uh, when I was doing mornings, you know, I, I was like telling like the people that, you know, my bosses that I have a stalker and I just felt like people just didn't care, you know? And like, they weren't dealing with it. And it was like, this guy was following me everywhere. And one day, you know, I used to coach the basketball team, uh, excuse me, um, a dance team. I used to coach a dance team. And then I stopped doing it during the pandemic. And it was like, he showed up at, the school where we practice and I was like I'm pretty sure you're a felon you know like I asked them I'm like are you allowed to be around kids 
have you been to jail? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, you can't be here. So increasingly, I just started to get scared. Like and every public appearance, every public I went, I would go to it. It's like he would be there. You know what I'm saying? So it was like it just got scary. I, I, I you know, I felt at some point like maybe he might pop up at my house or something. Mm. And, you know, like I obviously I got a big, scary pit bull. But still, like it, it was a really scary situation. And like it'd be people like that that like really don't know what the boundaries are. Ooh, and I was just, you know, like maybe this guy doesn't get it. Like I remember he wrote on the station vehicle in crayon and, and like <laughs> and he wrote I love Mina in crayon. Yeah, that is super scary. And mm-hmm. it's great. And, and like, you know, when I tell people, sometimes they laugh. They're like, what? You know, like it, it, it seems funny. But when it's about you and this person's like going everywhere and like they're not understanding, like, no, don't come here. This is inappropriate. Like something's just not like sinking in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that becomes really scary as a woman, you know, and it's I even went to the cops. This is why I don't trust the Philadelphia police. I literally went to the cops. I went to two different precincts. They would not help me. It was a mess. You know, they kept trying to tell me to go get a protection order. I'm like, how am I going to get a protection order against my stalker? I don't know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what you talking about? So, I was going to say, I've only had one experience that was super scary like that when I lived in New York. And I was young. I was 18. I didn't know I shouldn't tell people in New York certain stuff. And the train, like, got whatever and the guy just happened to be talking to me on the train like well, what stop you getting off at i was like oh i get off at regal park and so he had already said to me like i get off at jamaica so regal parks before jamaica so he kept talking and i started noticing he was weird because he was suit regular looking i started noticing he was weird and i'm like you know what let me stop talking to him so i go to get off my stop and i was like I thought you was getting off at jamaica he was like oh i'm gonna walk you home i was like you gonna do what <laughs> so we're arguing when I get off. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I think I checked my surroundings. I like, look, he looked like he went back down the subway steps. So I look a little bit, go. I was going back to my apartment to get myself to come back to Philly. Get to my apartment door, turn the key, and I'm in a basement apartment. He pushes past me in the apartment. Like, and it was like, I just wanted to make sure you were safe. And it was like one of those moments where you are like, what am I going to do? And right. I just ran to the kitchen and got a knife. And I was like, you better get the bleep, 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 bleep. I will stab you. And he kept saying, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure you were safe. I want to make, I was like, well, you about to not be safe. <laughs> he finally gets out. The security in my building didn't do anything, but I guess they're used to seeing stuff like that because they were right there looking at us. So I leave. I have to get my suitcase because I'm trying to go back to Philly. I go all the way around the other way, trying to get to the subway, thinking he's going. I hear him when I'm getting on the train, like, Shayna, I look because I haven't told him my name. I love you. I ran down that subway so fast and jumped in that train. Oh. It was like never again. But I was really scared because, you know, being young and I was 18, first year away from home, being in college. And then I'm like, now he knows where I live. But luckily, he never showed back up. He followed you home. Like, that is wow. Yeah. yeah. I people just I don't understand fine. boundaries. Yeah, I, I was that fine. Both of y'all must be that fine. I wish. You want you don't want to be stalked and you don't no. want to be scared like that. That's not nothing you would want ever. You don't want no woman to be randomly showing up with, at your open houses unless she trying to buy a house and <laughs> showing up at your door. Right. You really thought I was dressed like this though. <laughs> You'd be the one scaring people. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> Out here running around scaring people. 
So you never had anything, Garnett? I find that hard to believe. Nothing I mean, is ever scared to was like I said, it dates back to like movies at certain times. Like we talking like Candyman. Like I've said Candyman in a mirror like multiple times now. I, I still care. won't do that. To this I day, don't I care. Do that. At this moment, I don't care. But like growing up, yeah, that's a real life fear. Uh, freaking, I, you know, I got family members that scared me sometimes. But like as far as like in life or anything like that, no, nah, I mean, you get spooked here and there, but it's not like a out of the ordinary spook. Sometimes you don't see nobody next to you when you, you know, they may be right there, but it's like, oh, snap. I didn't know you was there. Okay, you there. Everything's cool. <laughs> so last year during the pandemic <laughs> you wake up in the morning and you turn the tv on and dr fauci is on there <laughs> like saying that this stuff that he used to say about how we're going to be in the pandemic until 2025 everybody your, your, home, kid, your kids yeah. gonna have to get shots or whatever he scared the hell out of me for an entire year so i don't see how he at least didn't scare you listen I felt at home, Dex, when, when all of that was going on. I felt more comfortable than ever. Like, in the house, quarantine, you felt more comfortable than ever? Yeah, we was all right. We was good. We was going to be okay. Well, of course he was. He was having house parties. <laughs> what do you mean? Exactly. <laughs> Talk to him, Dex. Ain't nothing, super <laughs> Ain't nothing changed but the name on the mail. That's it. Fair enough. That's actually a really good point. I was really scared. I mean, we talk about Halloween and witches and ghosts, but that was real life scary, like real <laughs> life scary, like the world changing. I was like you, Garnett, like the first three months I was cool. I was in here, Betty, Betty Crocker in it up. Y'all remember I made <laughs> carrot cake from scratch, frosting from scratch. I was in here being Mina Stewart. Do you remember that hashtag? <laughs> but it was like. I think it took it up a notch because I was by myself, literally. I think if I was with somebody, I would have been fine past the three months. But I think something happened at that around that three-month mark where I kind of lost it a little bit. And this is when they started saying, like, oh, well, this is going into the next year. Yes. And, you know, like, oh, this is going to be for one more year. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be getting no D for a year? <laughs> You know what? <laughs> He's hilarious. <laughs> I'm in this house by myself for three months with no one. Listen, Not even my even mother. Because the first day of quarantine, I made sure I had to handle that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's not going to happen is I'm not going to be in this house. And I'm just going to be missing up. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I have to be honest. I bought some things I've never bought before in my life. Like, <laughs> to try to pass the time. I had to play around a lot, you know? So, <laughs> um, so we have a guest joining us. So, oh, and our guest, and our guest came um, ready for Halloween, dressed up. Yeah, Craig. yeah, we here. <laughs> Welcome to the Mina's House podcast, Craig. Nice to see you. What is this? What mask is this? Congratulations, congratulations on your two hundred. Thank you. Thank uh, these you. are my co-hosts. You guys don't know each other. Introduce each other. I'm Shayna B. Shayna, how you doing? This is Craig. How you doing? <laughs> he had to take <laughs> off his mask. <laughs> Well, I'm really Patra right now. I'm the, the queen of the you're, pack. You're right Patra? Now. Okay, I see it. I see it. <laughs> Craig, what's good, baby? Everything's good. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing all right. I'm Garnett. I I'm see, I see. 
Yeah. Kid, baby. AKA the crackhead from Dave Chappelle. Right from the Dave Chappelle, yeah. Dexter, uh, the real boring over here. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> I see you. Me too. Luckily, I had this, so right. I was able to throw it on real quick. Yeah. Dex is a teacher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In real life. <laughs> So, Craig, uh, thank you for joining the podcast, especially our 200th episode. I literally hit up like all friends. I consider you a friend. You know, you're super close to my girl Pebbles, who's been on the podcast as well. So Andrea as well, who's a real, you know, my real friend. So, yeah, I mean, I just want to welcome you. Craig is actually uh, DMX's manager. So he's like managing his estate and all everything going on. And, you know, I know things are kind of crazy for you right now. So I just want to thank you for making time right now to join the podcast, especially on this 200th episode. It's kind of weird because we can't really do nothing because of the pandemic, but it's nice to be able to celebrate with some friends, you know? Right, right. No, I definitely appreciate you guys. I appreciate all the love always. I know you've been in the industry for years and have been a supporter of X. And so, you know, we just wanted to return the love and, Definitely shout out to his, his babies and, and especially the little twins, you know. Um, and, yeah, it's a little bit of a mess, but, you know, I'm not in charge. They, You know, the courts are handling it and uh, t- doing what they need to do. I'm just doing what I can on the sidelines, you know, trying to make sure that the kids and moms are okay and including in different things that, you know, that we're involved with. It's good to hear that. It's really good to hear that, like at that time, because it's like nobody talks about that anymore, and I'm 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 really happy to hear that. Nah, the kids are doing well, and and it's great. It's a the blessing, the one blessing that has come from all of this, is seeing them bond. Like most of them didn't know one another, and so we introduced everyone to one another, and on their own, they've kept in contact from some of the mothers to the children, definitely, especially those that are old enough. You know, reaching out to one another. They have group texts. They do their um, FaceTimes, all of that. They've they've gone to one another because they're in different states. They've gone and visited one another for birthdays already. Like this is what he wanted, you know, yeah. because we were actually going to do um, that last summer. We were supposed to start a reality show, a fatherhood show. Oh, and this cool. and this was the purpose is that he was like, yeah, I want to reestablish and make my bond stronger. He said, but even more important than that is when I'm gone. I want them to know they're connected through me, mm. you know, through one another. And so to see them doing this on their own is a blessing. Yeah, wow. that's amazing. That, yeah. I mean, that's just God talking right there. At the end of the day, he still got his message across. He still did what he was able to do, even though he wasn't here physically. So the fact that, you know, the family was able to take heed to that and like make that happen, that is some powerful stuff. That's some powerful no, it's stuff. definitely a blessing. Definitely a blessing. Craig, how do you keep his memory alive? Because I, I can imagine, I mean, you were actually his friend. You've been, you've been his manager for how many years? You've been his manager for a long time, right? Well, no, what it is, is I, I co-managed him with Steve Rifkin. Steve Rifkin mm-hmm. um, for the last few years. Um, I really came back to, to do his music. He asked me to come back and executive produce his music. Now, I've known him for, you know, a little over 25 years because I was an A&R at Rough Riders back in the day. Um, from 97 to 2006, I left Rough Riders. And so, yeah, we were definitely friends and close, more of like um, a confidant. Like I'm someone who I'm not a yes man. So someone who, you know, just wanted to see him, especially in the later years of his life, to, to live the life he deserved. Because he's given so much to so many people. 
and often at, at his own expense, you know? And so when I came back the last few years, it was more, it was less of, for me, he brought me back from, but it was less about music and more about getting him to live the life that he, sh- he deserved to live, you know? So he was doing a lot of changes. He was doing a lot of introspection. He was making, you know, taking these small steps, um, reaching out to his children, to the mothers, encouraging them, thanking them for doing such a wonderful job, you know, vowing that he was going to be more involved, you know, in the future, especially starting with this fatherhood show. Um, but he really, as far as the industry, he was tired of it. Yeah. You know, he wanted to retire. He wanted his kids around him. He wanted to have his old cars and start fixing them up again, you know. And then he, he had a switch from pit bulls. He started, he wanted to breed uh, Presser Canarios. Mm. Oh, yeah. So like even when we were just in Atlanta before we came back to New York, you know, he, we visited a, a breeder and he picked out he picked out one. You know, mm-hmm. he, he had planned on moving to the Atlanta area. Okay. Oh. Yeah. And, and kind of settling down. And so that's when more so we were we were kind of um, preparing him for life, his retirement. And so what we were focusing on is his brand instead, because I was like, you know what? Everybody you've had managing you or that's been in your in your business life has always focused just on you, you rhyming, you performing, you acting, you know, and nobody really focused on your brand. And so that's why we started shifting more to, you know, like the cologne line, doing licensing deals, the bump box, even though it ended up being a tribute. That's not what it wasn't. It was already in the works. Wow. You know, he loved bump boxes. We, we did this whole last album on bump box. Like he was, you know, we were listening to, to the instrumentals and he was writing with the bump box. And so he just, for the Aaliyah one, he did a voiceover for it. Mm. And then they were supposed to release his. And then, you know, the untimely death. So it ended up being a tribute. So that's interesting because I saw that it was going to ask that and I thought it was a tribute. And I thought the same thing for the fragrance because I saw there was a pop-up shop about like a week or two ago. So right. so how did that that work with him picking his scent? Did he get to pick his scent and those type of things, you know, with working with the fragrance? Yeah, we were out in LA finishing up the album and he and, and his road manager, Jungle, happened to be at this hotel and they bumped into uh, Rel, the owner of Isidore. And it was just, he kind of, some for some reason, he latched onto him. So I'm at the Airbnb. They bring him back where discussion starts. You know, it's a young brother in his 30s. He has his own, you know, fragrance line. His own, uh, he's trying to get it off the ground. And so we just connected with him and said, hey, let's do it, you know. And uh, he said he would do the DMX collection. And so we worked out a deal with him. And, j- and, and the, it was launched um, last Christmas, oh, you wow. know. And that was only the testers. And I was like, listen, we got to do the big bottles. And so that's when we did the, the commemorative bottles with his face on it. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a collector's piece. And all that happened, though, before he passed away. Mm-hmm. So from, from this, this cologne to, to bump box, this was something that was already in the works. These were things that he understood he needed to do. That we, you know, we were looking at another co- a company that uh, manufactured, was going to manufacture almost like Timberland boots but they were going to be his, his brand, DMX. Mm-hmm. So we had started looking into that. There were so many things we were doing because I, want, I told him, we have to focus on things where we don't need you for. Right. You know, you don't have to show up for You don't have to perform. Yeah. You know, that you can be in your bed making money. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the way we were transitioning him, because at this point, you know, over the last few years, he was, you know, he made money when he performed, when he mm-hmm. did an album. And so I said, "Nah, we have to we have to switch that up. The so, boots are genius. The boots are a genius idea because when I think of DMX, I think of the voice and the dogs, but I definitely think of boots too. <laughs> yeah, Tim, right? And the white beater. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah, that's all he wore. <laughs> that man would not put on a pair of sneakers. He would not. All he wore was Tim's. It didn't matter what it was. He wore Tim's. Craig, so is the show happening? What's going on with is it done? The show? What's is that gonna happen? Well, what it is, is we're, we're looking, we're dealing, because we were actually in a production deal, and then I got us released from that because we weren't happy with the direction that they started going with it. And so we wanted to reformat it because we wanted to, one thing that was important for us, that this was about healing, you know, and we wanted them treated with dignity. It wasn't going to be not any messy. ratchet. Right. Not messy, not ratchet. Right. We're not pitting mothers yeah. against one another and having them mm-hmm. fight like we weren't doing that, you know? <laughs> And so that's why we actually got released from the last deal because we took a stand and we're like, no, this was our idea. We brought it to you and now you're trying to hijack it and we're not doing that. This is a black father, black mothers, black children, and you're going to treat them with dignity. You know, we're not doing that. And so we took a stand, you know, to their credit, they gave us a release um, and we were in the process of um, working out another deal. And then he passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so yes we are look still looking into that just as a part of because for me everything is about his legacy you know the, the estate is really now um temporarily the administrator went to his three oldest sons with tashira i saw that the, the yeah. ex-wife yeah yep. not the not the um the fi- the fiance it went to the ex-wife right and she has State. the most kids that's that's what it is it's about the fact that she has the three eldest kids right yeah she has the three there's a two others that are over 18 because in new york state laws the children over 18 that have a voice when there's no mm-hmm. wife it's mm-hmm. all about the children and it's those that are over 18 have a voice so uh-huh. the three sons with tashira are um temporary administrators he has two other daughters that have also applied and then as you know you saw them report there's another daughter that came forward recently. Really? Yeah. A new one? Yes, one that I was unaware of, but she she you know reached out to me. I've spoken with her, um, pointed her to the right people that she should speak to as far as attorneys and mm-hmm. his old business manager, things like that. So you know the courts will have to handle that. But yeah, she's um older in her late twenties. Okay. Um, so how do you handle something like that? Can is there DNA? How do you I I don't even I'm know a, how you would deal with that. Well, legally, there's a whole bunch of things I know as far as this. So that's right now dealing with the estate and the court. They have to figure all that out. Um, mm-hmm. Partly it could be DNA. Um, other I know legally in New York, um, just from what some of them have shared with me. It's also did he claim them as as his children did he support them? So there's different, you know ways of establishing um paternity and a connection yeah so what would that bring that number to he has that would that would be 15 15 yeah there were 14 that i knew of and then um this latest one raven came forward she would make 15 15 yeah 
So how do you move forward with your life and your career, Craig? Because, you know, you've been managing him. Are you looking to manage other people or is it is it about keeping his legacy alive? Like, what's your game plan? It's really about his legacy. And like I said, there's so many things that I don't want to even talk about yet that we had planned already in the works. And so we're moving forward on those projects that, um, you know, animated shows, um, movies, things like that, that we already, because we, we were reestablishing Bloodline films and Bloodline productions. Mm-hmm. And so we were, there was a group of us, basically him, myself, and his road manager, Jungle. And we were just putting our brains together and doing and, and uh, laying out the foundation for like the next three to five years mm-hmm. so that he could be happily retired, independent, home collecting money. You know, all I needed to do is executive produced by Earl DMX Simmons, but I don't need you to do anything, you yeah. know? Yeah. Sort of like what 50 and them are doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of things that I don't even want to. Yeah. put out there yet, you know until until it happens and then we can talk about it but there's so many things we have from different series um centered around you know new york yonkers um you know similar to snowfall similar similar to uh, uh power things like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then yeah. some other cultural type movie ideas that we had um so that's what it is so i'm moving forward on that to continue and build upon his legacy and all the time when we secure these deals to make sure that his children slash estate are written into the actual contracts, yeah. you know, so that they, so that they benefit. So you guys have the X has a heart foundation. Is that being run by the children? Is that more managed, you know, daily by you or is it, is it, is it collaborative with everybody involved? X has a heart foundation is something that we started the, the small group that were around him. We did make every child and, and mother aware of it. And we're in the planning and stages because we want to make sure whatever we do is done properly. Um, and there's two goals to it. One is the community work. The community work is going to be focused around school street. So we're going to where he, you know, where he was born and raised. So what we're going to do is focus on that community and the children in that community and providing safety nut for them, mental health um, support, um, financial literacy, things like that. Um, And then the second prong or the second mission of it is also to provide additional assistance to his children. You know, whether it be um, tuition assistance, you know, rent assistance, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's all in the forming stages right now. Like we actually... Have a, it's, it's now officially a 501c3. Mm. Um, we're doing the mission, vision, and value statement, getting charters, the board of advisors, all that together right now. Awesome. Yeah. Now, as a fan, I think like this conversation with you is the first time that I felt some type of like closure from the situation. Like I've never like really truly felt it. And like listening to you like talk right now, like I, I feel it. Like I, I it's, 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 you know what I mean? Like you've done like a really, really great job. I think you should be like really proud of yourself. And and if you haven't found closure like yourself, like I hope you do because you're doing like amazing work. You really are. No, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it, it's still, you know, he's gone, but then sometimes it's like, yeah, you wake up and you're like, damn, I can't, I still can't believe it, mm-hmm. you know? And so the only, you know, the closure that I get is continuing the mission. 
you know, and one eye on the mission and the other eye is on his is making sure that every single thing we do benefits the children in some way. You know, the goal is to make sure they live better, better now than his death than they did even when he was alive, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's our mission. It's not easy, mm-hmm. you know, because you do have whatever's going on with the estate. You know, we don't have carte blanche with his likeness, his image, what have you. That's going to fall on the estate. Um, and so it's like we're trying to do the things outside of the estate that we do have control over. You know, or the things where we own the intellectual property, you know, where we can still move forward, honor him, his legacy. Um, in one way, is definitely really latching on to the to the you know notion of making it more popular in our community to deal with mental health. Because when it comes to him, everybody always likes to talk about drugs. Mm-hmm. But if you knew him, you would know that more and more profound in his life were the traumas and struggles and trials and tribulations he had because of childhood trauma Yes, and things that happened to him and his mental health was, was, was more important and often wasn't really treated. Yeah. You know, we would encourage him, nah, you know, you got to do counseling. You got to find somebody who you can trust and confide in. And, you know, often that was us, but we're not professionals. Right, right, you know? We're yeah, not a lot of people don't know his background and, you know, how he was in foster homes and, right. you know, um, he was abused. And, you know, I mean, that story about the first his mentor who gave him the drugs that it broke my heart. So I think that's a right. really good point. A lot of the times we we just focus on the symptoms, right. you know, but not on the, you know, the root of the issue, yeah. which is he was a troubled person. And I think right. that's why a lot of people gravitated towards him i mean that's why i gravitated gravitated towards him the pain in his music i could feel that pain i mean even if you weren't in an abusive situation maybe the you know you can identify with the poverty aspects of just not having anything of being hopeful and being in an environment where there's not a lot of hope those are the things that i feel like he really connected with people about and you know that that's what i think his legacy is going to be ultimately right Right. There wasn't one day. I mean, from back in the day up until now, when I came back, there wasn't one day we were in public that at least one person didn't come up to him and say, you, you saved my life. Your music saved my life. Um, your music got me through some of the most difficult periods in my life. Not one day, not one day. Can I remember that at least one person didn't come up and say something like that to him, you know, and and, and if you want to understand him more. Like he, he said one day, he said, now you would think that when people come up, that would be a blessing. That would make you feel like, damn, I helped somebody. Yeah. But people, he said, I'm a, he said, I, he said, it's going to be long after I'm gone that people will really, before they really understand what I was saying, even in my rhymes, he was like, what pained him about that is he, it was a blessing to him. He was glad he could help other people. But what pained him is how can I have this effect on so many people? And I'm having a problem helping myself. Mm. How can a woman come up to me and say I was suicidal? It was a woman in her probably late 20s. She came up with tears in her eyes. I just want to thank you. I was suicidal. My daughter has a mother because of you. Mm. You know, there was a woman. Uh, there's a guy, yo, he was, he was a street sweeper. He was sweeping the streets. We walked, we crossing the street. He said, yo, I, I don't mean to bother you. I just got to tell you, I would have lost my mind. I just came home from a 15-year bid a few years ago. 
I would have never made it if it wasn't for you. You know what I'm saying? We were on Atlantic City and the boardwalk. And this older European lady, she and I mean, she had an accent. She probably was in her 60s. And she came up, you know, hey, can I get a, a picture? Like, yeah, no problem. Took the picture. We thought nothing of it. She walked away like 15, 20, 30 seconds later. All of a sudden, the same woman is coming back to us and her face is beat red. She's bawling. Tears are coming down her eye. And we're like, hey, what's, what's going on? Is everything OK? And she explained to us, she said, I have a son who has mental who's mentally challenged. And for about the last two weeks, he's been somewhat unresponsive. We bathe him, we get him dressed, we sit him in his chair and he just sits there rocking. He just sits there. So she FaceTimed him and said, guess who I just met? DMX. And he lost his mind. So when she turned the phone to him, he's like, oh, he, he was like so excited and happy. And she was just so because he had been unresponsive, like they're talking to him. He's not responding. And he just he looked up and he just started crying right there on the ball. And was like, God, why me? Why me? But then he spoke with the young man quickly and said, can I pray with him? And then they prayed together. And the woman was so happy she walked away. But like he had a profound effect on people's lives that he couldn't even completely understand. He, did. he knew he was touched by God. He knew he was blessed. But what he couldn't figure out is how could I have in my words or my music have or even my life have this profound effect on people? And I'm still here. I am still trying to fix myself. Mm. Um, I, um, shoot. I mean, I guess you almost answered the question. I have I got a couple questions. Um, one of them is going to lead back to the Rough Riders in general, right? But uh, I just wanted to, you know, ask you just about the star power. You kind of spoke on it just about every day. You know, it wasn't one day that somebody came up, but like he got the legendary voice, the, the growl, right. the bark. Right. You right. know, and, and you see, he's right. like, I can't write right. like that. <laughs> but like, you know, you, you know, you're dealing with somebody that you're around every day. And I guess at the beginning of it, did you did you really like notice the separation between the different type of star power, just like how much of a superhero he actually was in the flesh? I mean, I knew it even back from like when he, when his first album came out, because believe it or not, it's something Nas. There's an interview I see that um, they put up recently about Nas talking about a thousand rappers would didn't have the love that he had. And it was a truth. I saw it from way back then. I don't care. You can name who ho name whoever you want. Mm -hmm. When we would walk into a room, you could even see it in there or into, a, in, you know, even at a performance. You would watch his peers. You would watch other icons look at him in amazement. Because they long to have the real, true hood love that he received from people. And there was always something about him because he was down to earth. So he just separate. People don't love him because of a song. Right. You know, people love other artists because of they got a hot record. They got a hot song. People love X. He's a rock star. They loved Earl Simmons because he was transparent. He shared his life with them. Yet, like, you know, we didn't need security. We would walk all over the place. Didn't matter. Every hood we went to, we didn't have security. We were our own security. You know, and people didn't even test us or try. You know, we have the stories from way back in the day, like when we were in Boston and that was something separate. That was something different in Miami. But him as an artist, as a human being, as a person, I mean, like now nah, we were just we were we were in Nashville. We were in Atlanta. We were in in, in Miami. 
we were just in L.A. We went to the jungle and all that out. Like we go everywhere. Blood, crip. It didn't matter. You know, and. It's because he was genuine. He spoke to the people. He never put on airs. He never made them feel like he was less than. Mm-hmm. He always took his time to do whatever. He would take pictures. He, he talked with them. He never turned people down, you know, and, I, and, and people recognize that genuineness about him. You know, that's why I, I know he's the people's champ, you know, because and it was that it's because of who he was as a human being, as a person. He touched people's lives. I could tell you a story about there's a guy. If you look on social media, it's called um, Walking Legend. And we're going to do in, uh, in the documentary we do, we're going to interview him. But this man was in a serious car accident and was told by every doctor, you will never walk again. And he met X one time at a concert. Happened to get his attention. They had the metal rails there and he's and happened to get his attention. X came right over to him, started talking to him. He shared with him. Yeah, I was in a bad accident. The doctor said I'll never walk again. He said what X said to him was. The doctors are human beings. They're not God. I'm telling you, you're going to walk again. The man is walking today. Wow. Wow. The man is walking. That's incredible. Because it's just like that's the energy and the spirit and the motivation he gave to other people. It's like he took all the hurt, all the pain in his life, and he made sure that he comforted others. You know, even when he himself wasn't comforted. Right. You know yeah. what, you know? though? I feel like back to the words that you said before, where people are not going to notice his impact until he's gone. And he said that himself. You said, you know, it was crazy mm-hmm. when he passed away. I'm I'm bawling, crying, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. it was like this uncontrollable, like, what you know and yeah. it was weird because i think we all felt that way right yeah. this is mm-hmm. not something just exclusive to me i right. think there's so many people that i know that it's like why am i crying like this and i'll never forget when michael jackson died and my mother bawled out crying and i was a little girl and i'm like why are you crying over this man you don't know you know but right. it's crazy now that we're adults and i've experienced that. i mean it happened to me with kobe bryant It was like this uncontrollable, like I can't even reel it in. And then almost like a couple of months later, almost like I couldn't even take it. It was DMX. And it was it was just really surprising to know that he had that impact on not just myself, just from the music, but even Mm -hmm. people on this podcast or everyday people where we literally were all crying together. And we're like, we didn't even know that he had this kind of effect on our lives until Mm -hmm. we heard what happened. Yeah. And imagine my DMs were filled and, and stories that were for me, it was a blessing um, of all just different. Like you said, people just saying what he what he got them through, what he like. My DMs were filled with that, you know, yeah. and people that have now it's almost like it's a it's a it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood where they're just so supportive and they've latched on and follow all of his children and are being as supportive, supportive as they come. You know, I know people have purchased his shirts and sent them to his children, th- different things like that. Like just the way and think about it. He hadn't had a hit in 17 years. Right. So this love wasn't from somebody who was current, right. who was on top of the right. world, who had right. the biggest hits, was all over radio. His last hit was from Grand Champ 2003. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was him. You know, even like when we went, I keep telling people when we went and did, um, the versus battle against Snoop. Mm-hmm. I had to tell him, I said, do you realize 
that no matter what, he wanted to do it with Hove, of course. But um, I said, do you realize that whoever you go against, you're battling with only five albums? Mm. Right. Everybody else is doing 12, 13. They've had 12, 13, 14 albums, all these features and side, you know, side artist appearances. You stand in toe to toe with these artists only off of five albums, really. From 97 to 2003, that was, I mean, 98 to 2003. Whereas these other artists over these last several years, this last decade, they've, they've been on other hit records or they put out multiple albums over the same span. And so this man has gotten love because of who he is and because of the pain and his transparency and openness with his struggles in life. And so people can identify with that. You know, people can. It's just like when we came in the game, everybody was popping bottles, Cristal, you know, people getting robbed for 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 for, uh, for, for their clothes, jackets, this, that we came out with just Tim's jeans and a wife beater or a white tee. People could relate to that. Yeah. And that's why even the Rough Rider movement was so to me so big, because it was relatable. More people can relate to that than being on yachts, popping bottles. Right. I got a I've had pitbulls my whole life. Right. <laughs> because right. of DMX. I got right. a pitbull right here. Right. I don't know if y'all heard somebody choking in the background. That was my right. pitbull. <laughs> I don't know. My dog knew we were talking about DMX. My dog was in the background like speak about rough fires a little bit because that's the one thing that I know, you know. I can't say it wasn't a game before it, and I don't think it's in a game now just as far as, you know, how big Rough Riders actually is. It's not just right. people that were rapping. It was people behind the scenes that it was actually a bike right. group, you know. You right. Hundreds of people that support right. this one movement. So, right. I know, Craig, I know you got hella crazy stories about yeah. Rough Riders. <laughs> I, I know you do. You can't hide behind it, all it was a movement. It was a movement. And and the love, like I said, the love was different. I remember going, whether it was Memorial Weekend, uh, Cancun or Miami, and literally Bad Boy, every all these other labels down there, Rockefeller, and every, you know, with their shirts, because, you know, when you go, you bring all your merchandise and all that and apparel. And when we would walk on the strip, as God is my witness, literally, you would see it on the ground. People would drop it. And they wanted the R shirts. They wanted to, you know, we had we had the baby tees, we had the thongs, you know, people were taking right. We, we, we were, yo, we used to tell them, yo, we used to tell them, yo, you want this? You got to put it on right now. Do you have a Rough Riders thong right now? Because I will put it on. I won't show you, but I'll tell you I got it on. No, nah, I don't have one, but we had them back in the day and they used to put them on right in the street. We were like, nah, you got to put it on right now. Yeah. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah. But when I so like I said, it was it's the same impact. Like people, you know, every artist, especially when it comes to rap, every label wants to be hood. They want to be street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they try so hard and go to such great lengths to do to be that portray that. We just did it yeah. because it was genuine. Like it, 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 it from the artist, you know, think about it. Not just X. Think about Kiss, Style, Sheik. Everybody's down to earth. Eve, drag. Yeah. Everybody is who they are and they all have a story, but they're all down to earth. They never let celebrity go to their heads, you know? And so it was easy for us. It wasn't even something that it, it, just, it just came natural. And so just like with X, that love, just that regular hood love, it just came natural. 
you know? And so, yeah, no matter what city we went to and you have 200 to 500 bikers just show up, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? All wearing our vest, you know? Um, it's crazy, you know? And, and then it was, so, you know, you're always going to be tested, but it was solidified because a couple of incidents we had when business was handled and we never went around starting trouble. It would be you're in someone else's tent. Now they want to come and prove something. Mm-hmm. And so when we handled our business after that, no issues. People said, oh, they're not the regular artists. They don't just talk. They live it. And so we never had issues after that. You know, the Boston incident and the, and the one in Miami. That was it. That was way back in like 99. I think it was 2000. And then once that happened, it was over when they say, oh, no, they for real. Right. And, and that was it. And it was like, the nah, they don't click. just talk it. Even the locks, everything that sprung yeah. from that, like yeah. switch. I can tell you stories Rough of all riders. these rappers. I could, but I won't. I can tell you all these stories <laughs> because these people, these people, these people had to go and fly into the city, go to the venue, like whether whatever award show it was, Source Awards back then. They had to fly to the hotel, to the airport, straight to the hotel, to the venue, back to their hotel, back to the airport. They couldn't do what we did. I'm people getting robbed every like I'm telling you, right. artists were getting back then in back then in Cali, especially those artists were getting robbed. You name them. Wow. Not us. Matter of fact, they'd call us to be like, yo, I just got. Then All right. We knew who you. to call. Help yeah. them get some of their stuff back. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, now they be wearing fake chains, Craig. So. <laughs> <laughs> they wear fake. You got to worry about that no more, Craig. I was wondering why in that show in the city here in New York, in New York, how they always testing every time the artists come up. Now I see uh-huh. they testing them to see if it's real. I was wondering why because <laughs> they all wearing they all wearing fakes. Okay, <laughs> Craig, thank you so much for joining us for a two yeah, hundredth episode. Uh, man, congratulations to you guys for making two hundred. Like that's mm-hmm. a major, that's a major feat. Yeah, yeah man thank you for dressing up yeah i know i got a little hot i had to take it off I was, you know what i was, I was sweating gonna under say, here you know you don't gotta keep the mask on greg i, uh, craig, I, was, but... I was like trying to talk and then no, i'm like and then i I'm seen sweating. it starting to fog up, fog up and i was yeah. like is he gonna take it off <laughs> he's gonna committed it. to his outfit I said, I said it's getting hot i gotta take it off I thought I was stripping for a second. I thought it was that. Is that part of the costume? <laughs> nah, this is just something I ordered. I liked it. I loved it. So I said, I got it. You know, when you're riding four wheelers or whatever. So, uh-huh. like, oh, okay. you know, yeah. 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 I like it. Well, yeah, thank you yeah. for joining thank us, Craig. We appreciate it. Thank you for having yeah. us. Thank, thank you. you so thank much. You. And thank you for honoring his legacy and, you know, getting the word out, talking about it a little bit because, you know, he. His in his physical, he's gone, but his spirit's still here. For sure, you know his spirit's still here. You know, in in each of us, because he touched all of us in different ways. You know, whether it was through his music, whether it was personal one-on-one interaction, whether it was an interview, whether it was a prayer. You know, mm-hmm. and look out for that gospel album soon too. We're working on that right now. Really? Okay. Powerful. Man. All powerful. right, get Kanye on it. Get the powerful. get the gospel choir on it. Powerful. <laughs> I tell you, powerful. 
when I tell you powerful, powerful. And and one only a last other thing since you're putting out new music, I think that you should definitely release that audio from the Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeers as a holiday song. <laughs> I think it'll kill yes. very right. Got to be released. One of his old <laughs> managers, Pat, he actually did that with him. So I know Pat has that, and I know I did. He he was speaking about um releasing that. For Christmas yeah. again, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's working on the gospel album with, with you? Because you're you're responsible for the music. Uh, it's the uh, it's actually a gentleman out of California who went back in I think it was like 2011, 12 when he was signed to that independent label. The label went bankrupt, and this gentleman actually purchased their entire catalog. In oh. it was this, so through. He started searching who's who was close to X, who's close, and he started reaching out. Once he passed away, he started reaching out through third parties saying, hey, can you connect me with someone? And so they got in touch with me um, and we're actually pulling in, you know, the original producers, PK, mm-hmm. um, Divine Bars, who was with him for the last probably good 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, PK will probably reach out to Dame Grease because, you know, it's it's the, the vocals are incredible but some of the music has to just be touched up and updated. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is more, the other album had a whole bunch of features. This last album that was released, this one is more typical X, X album. You're going to hear him, his voice, you know, and it's very inspiring music um, uh, and motivational music. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to the world hearing it. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Really, I'm really looking forward to the world hearing this. Is Imagine if he wins a Grammy posthumously yeah. for it. Man, it's a special project. It's a special project. I want to reach out to Leandria. You know, she sang at his funeral. She was real close mm-hmm. to us. Um, Leandria Johnson, the gospel singer. Mm-hmm. Definitely want to include her because um, she was, you know, she was real close with him. You know, um, mm-hmm. so that's it. This one, we want to make sure it's people that were really in tune with him and, you know, yeah. as a human being with Earl Simmons. Yeah. So not Kanye. <laughs> no, oh, Kanye. Let me tell you something about Kanye. <laughs> Kanye. I got so much respect for Kanye. You know, I don't know if people are aware of it, but Kanye put up almost a million of his own money for that memorial service. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Yes. He did that, you know, off rip, just did it. That's the love he had for X. You know, so I don't care. You know, Kanye is good for whatever. I don't care what he says, what stances he takes. He showed me his heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. To me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So Kanye will be on the album then. <laughs> we, we'll reach out to him. Definitely. Yeah. Well, then, let's see if he's available. Yeah. You know, you know, Kanye is going to make time for that. OK. Yeah. 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 He got to. Yeah. That'll be special. Him and his choir. Yeah. Yeah. That would be super yeah. amazing. And they sang at the memorial service too. the choir. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was the other thing I respected when he did what he did. He said, I don't want it advertised. Even, you know, like even 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 leading up to the service, I don't want it on the Barclay Center billboard. And even when he was there, he didn't take his mask off the whole time. He was just there to literally at a true love, show his respect. Yeah. You know, and give them the proper send off. So, you know, it wasn't all flashing. You know, other people jumped in front of the cameras. Other yeah. people had all this, what the, you know, all this to say, that to say, made it a spectacle. He literally, I got a lot of respect for him mm-hmm. as a human being. Forget artists, forget as a human being because of what he did. 
and how he did it. More importantly, how he did it. No With fanfare. And respect. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And honor. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Craig, thank you yeah. so much for telling us. We'll have you back on so you can give us more information because we need everything. We need all the savings. Okay. Yes, yes. We will get it. We will get it as soon as we get this album rolling. We're going to start probably in the next week or so. And once we start, we'll definitely let you know. All right. Thank you, Craig. All right. Thank Thanks you. Have a good night. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. How awesome was that? That was great. That was really good. So, I, I, so now, like, when we, so I guess for like 300, right, we can revisit. I like, oh, what was your favorite moment? Same page. Like, <laughs> wow. Now that, I, like, I, I had a lot of reflecting just, like, with myself and, like, the things that I had to overcome and some of the stuff he was just saying, uh, you know, about X, but just about life in general sometimes that, you don't even understand like how far you have come and, you know, to hear him say that, like, how can I have such a profound effect on other people, but that same effect can't like go to me is like, that's such a powerful thing. And it just lets you know how human he was as well to be that aware and understand that it's going to take more than just, you know, the people being able to tell me, you know, how, how great I am and how much, you know, I helped them out. It really takes something else on the inside to like get you to kind of like where you need to be. And, you know, to let you know that you, you on another mission, you can help somebody on their mission, but that you're just personally on another mission. So now that was, that was were you guys getting emotional? I felt like I was starting to bubble up a little bit and I'm like, why is this happening? I don't want to cry on the podcast. It just felt, it felt like very even, like it just felt like good. It felt really good. But just real quick, just to garden that, I love that you said like, you talked about things that you have gone through while you're dressed as a crackhead. Like it's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Shut up, Max. Damn. (laughs) The powder is settling on his lip. (laughs) Oh, this is rough times, baby. (laughs) Well, my goal for this was because it is an anniversary um, uh, episode, I kind of wanted to hone in on legacy you know, and I started to think about people that I know that have legacy and 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 have longevity, and and Craig came to mind with DMX and kind of his legacy and and um, longevity that they've had and how he's affected people. Um, obviously, Neef came to mind from Chris and Neef, and I thought it would be cool, but I told Neef the wrong time by mistake. I'm sorry, Neef. Um, <laughs> I was telling him, I'm like, I just came from vacation. I'm getting my times wrong. Neef was like, where you at? You know, um, and I'm like, ooh, I told you the wrong time, but Freeway's daughter passed away um, from yeah. cancer. She was 21, and it's been a long battle, and today was actually the funeral so, um, you know, oh. Neve and, and Freeway are super close. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, obviously he's dealing with stuff like that, which makes me feel terrible because I messed up on the time and he has such a busy day, you know, with with what's going on. And I'm over here like he still tried to make time for the podcast and I messed up the times because I'm still in Puerto Rico mentally. <laughs> but, but that's what I really wanted for this podcast. Kind of like just longevity. And Neef was a part of our hundredth uh, yeah. celebration. <laughs> so I thought it would be cool to talk to him, but we'll have him on in future podcasts. I wanted to talk mm-hmm. to him about 
you know, the state property um, versus um, versus. Right. And then, you know, they went on that tour with the locks and dip set. So, um, you know, and then I I think some of the dates got canceled because of COVID. But I just kind of want to, like, touch base with him to see what's going on with that. But, um, yeah, that was kind of my goal for this podcast to just kind of, you know, hone in on people who have had longevity and, um, you know, have that legacy. So, yeah, guys, thank you for hanging out and being here and supporting us all these episodes. Thank you, guys, you know, for dressing up. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, we gonna dress up, y'all. Even Craig came with a mask. (laughs) Yeah, and thank you to Craig for joining us. Um, You know, I definitely appreciate him. So we'll have him back on as well to let us know what's going on. So uh, thank you guys for listening and watching. We have a patron account. So if you want to donate to the podcast, please do so. You can get all that uh you know all that information and all, you know, <laughs> crackhead garden crackhead g you gonna give us your five dollars okay with the white stuff on it so uh you could donate to our patreon account you know just uh go to go to my website amina say what.com or the podcast website mina say what um excuse me mina's house podcast just google it and the patreon account will come up so all right Signing off the 200th episode of the Mina's House podcast. I'm Lola Bunny, a.k.a. Mina Say What. <laughs> I'm Patrick, Queen of the Pack, a.k.a. Shayna B. Mm, Tyrone Beckham's baby. A.k.a. Gardner Briscoe. <laughs> Dex Stucky. <laughs> the teacher. <laughs> a.k.a. Dex Stucky. <laughs> the teacher. <laughs> All right, guys. Talk to you next week. <laughs>